You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Two fans, one mission, bringing Major League Baseball to Oregon. Powered by the Portland Gear Store, this is the Diamonds and Roses podcast. And without further ado, your hosts, Ben and David. I'm Ben. And I'm Dave. And welcome to the Diamonds and Roses podcast. We're glad you're listening today. Me too. I'm glad you're listening. Thanks for joining me, Dave. Yeah, we're uh, sponsored by Portland Gear. Portland Gear Store is awesome. Yeah, if you want to uh, check out our website and check out our uh, Twitter feed, you can do so. Yeah, you can check us out at podcast roses that's the at sign podcast roses you can also check us out on the interweb at dnrpodcast.wordpress.com that's dnrpodcast.wordpress.com give it a look awesome so uh today we got a great episode for you uh, what, what do we got going on today uh, so last episode we talked about vaughn stadium and we talked about the beavers and we talked about the Beavers moving into Multnomah Stadium. So I thought it'd be great to do an episode on Multnomah Stadium. Yeah, fantastic. Because the, the timing is perfect. Because we're talking about post-World War II. We're talking about a booming economy. Mm-hmm. And baseball just blowing up in the 1950s. Yeah, and then we're talking... And now we're also talking about uh, baseball coming back to Portland. More specifically, Oregon. And we're talking about stadiums and we're talking about places that they can be i mean we talked about vaughn street now we're talking like two miles away where the current providence park is so i mean this is some deep rich history of baseball in oregon yep and and this history will lead to some excitement because uh this is this is an exciting time to be uh someone who's even remotely interested in baseball or even call yourself a fan and and living in here with the history and, and what's what's in store in the future. Yeah, absolutely. So let's let's jump right on into it. Uh, Multnomah Stadium. It had many different names. We talked about uh, Vaughn Street having many different names. Well, Multnomah Stadium had several different names. It's been known as Civic Stadium. It's been also known as PGE Park, Jeldwin Field, and now Providence Park. So it's had, to include Multnomah Stadium, it's had one, two, three, four, five names. So it's been pretty interesting. Um, so it was built in 1926 for $502,000 between Southwest 18th and 20th Avenues on Southwest Morrison Street. So they built it for how much? $502,000. Okay, so that's that's the equivalent. Again, we're, we're looking at uh, again we're looking at about 25 times inflation. So yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So um, so anyways, uh, it was constructed as. The expense of the Multnomah Athletic Club on a site that was either leased 
are owned by the club since 1893. So we're talking about the big Multnomah Athletic Club, and mm, they yeah. they leased this property and then yeah. they purchased it later on. That's that's old Blue Blood Portland right yeah. there, Multnomah Athletic Club. Yep. Oh, and the yeah. field was used by the yeah. club for its athletic program as well as being as leasing it out for various sporting events and civic events such as college football games and public meetings. So they had baseball there, they had track and field, they had bicycle racing. And in 1895, it hosted a Major League Baseball game, too, which is really interesting. Oh, fantastic. Uh-huh. And it um, it went on to host seven uh, Civil War games between the University of Oregon and Oregon State. Uh, held cricket matches and greyhound racing. <laughs> you know, that moved over on the yeah. down on the, the waterfront there on the, the Columbia. And then U of O played 107 games from 1894 to 1970, so the University of Oregon played 107 games there. Wait a second, so they're 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 bringing it they're bringing everybody up from Eugene to play there. Yeah, as as like potentially a, a home away from home. Exactly. So this is this is definitely pre Otzen or pre uh, pre any U, U of O kind of serviceable mm-hmm. fields that could hold any amount of spectators. Yeah, exactly. So huh. let's take a step back. Uh, the Multnomah Athletic Club was formed in 1891 by 26 football players. Oh, okay. So it was a, which co- I never, a co-op ownership. Huh? Yeah, okay. I, and I never knew that. Wow, that's interesting. Yeah, and then so by 1893, the club leased a plot of land, and it was pasture land, uh, in an area known as Tanner Creek Gulch to build a stadium. That's a heck of a name. Yeah, Tanner Creek Gulch, huh? Yeah. Huh. Uh, the site had previously been a tannery and then a large Chinese vegetable garden which supplied produce to much of Portland. Wow, fantastic. I mean, and we talked about in a, you know our first episode about how a lot of people at, in Portland area at the time that baseball first started or, or was recorded, that a lot of people were living hand-to-mouth at that time. Yeah, I mean, we're still, again, we're talking about 1890s, so we're talking about pre-industrial revolution. United States, and especially the Portland area, are pretty pretty agrarian. You know, mm-hmm. we don't have the technology, the factories, that, that kind of... Uh, you know, boom, boom isn't in really in full effect. So no. we're talking about a really a, a traditional 19th century agrarian economy. Yeah, exactly. So the club built the stadium, and it had 3,000-seat grandstand in the northwest corner. In 1899, uh, the MAC had purchased the five acres of land that they were leasing, so this additional land and so that to build, you know, for the stadium. By 1905, the Portland Giants, renamed the Breavers in 1906, played their first games there while their 12,000-seat Vaughn Street Stadium, which we just got done talking about in our previous episode, was being used as a track venue by the Lewis and Clark Exploration and World Fair. So that was pretty interesting that they'd used the park. So, I mean, was it like a symbol that they're going to be moving eventually, which is kind of Mm. interesting. Yeah, it is. Uh, by the end of the century, a new steel grandstand was erected to seat 10,000 people. So uh, so that was pretty cool. I mean, it went from 3,000 to 10,000. I mean, yeah. Uh, you know, we, we, we tend to think of Portland. Portland's growth in waves, right? Right mm-hmm. now is a growth time for Portland. Yeah. Which we're happy about. It's a growth time because um, it might allow some some of us to have our beloved baseball. Exactly. Thank you, growth. Um, but yeah, there was these, there was these, uh, kind of population booms in Portland's history. So turn of the century. So in 1909, president William H. Taft visited the field nine months later, uh, on July 14th, 1910, a nearby building caught fire and destroyed the Mac clubhouse and the new grandstand and seven city blocks. So there's this magn- huge fire. Uh, we're sensing a theme here with fires, fires fire there. code, everybody smoked fire code, 
Um, everything it, burned. I just, I just imagine everything burned all the time. Yeah, yeah I mean, I got a lot of stuff was made out of wood, just like the old right, Bond right. Yeah. yeah. So the following year, the grandstand was replaced. However, by 1923, uh, it was considered to be too small. When President Warren G. Harding visited the stadium, uh, not a place was left for people to stand. So we now have two presidents that visited Oregon. And while they were here in Portland, they went to the stadium. So uh, what I was reading is, is that this is the biggest grand venue in the area at the time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and, uh, and it went on to say that there was... 25 to 30,000 people at that event. That's insane. That's I mean, a lot of people. Yeah. I mean, considering not a lot of people had a lot of leisure time, um, that's an amazing mm-hmm. amount for that day and age. To give you give you some perspective. I mean, yeah. To watch a, any any type of event, let alone a sporting event. Yeah. And then in 1925, the MAC approved plans for a new 28,000 seat stadium totaling $500,000. Now, as a side note, they had raised $300,000 in two months. And, and how they did that is that they sold stadium-associated seat plaques at $100 each, good for one free ticket to every event. Season now, ticket holders. The old yeah, season yeah, ticket exactly. Holders. Yeah, so, so because you talk about value a lot on this uh, podcast and you talk about well, what is that in today's terms and about how much money. So in Today's value that is approximately one thousand forty-five dollars and sixty-seven cents per seat. Wow! And then the club itself issued a bond to uh, its members. So those were those seats were for the elite, the economic elite, yeah, essentially. Yeah, yeah. And so then the the to raise the remaining two thousand dollars, the uh, the club itself issued a bond to its members in order to raise the additional money to cover the remaining cost. And then, so basically, the the Civic Stadium was completed at the cost of five hundred and two thousand dollars, and formally dedicated on October 9th, nineteen twenty six, when the University of Washington played the University Oregon, and Oregon had lost twenty three to nine. Hmm. It makes sense that that these projects were able to be completed in the twenties with you know the economic boom. Yeah. I mean, that that just makes sense. Projects that probably had been on hold for quite a while. Yep. And then, so the major tenants. You know, at following that were the University of Oregon, uh, Oregon Agricultural College, or OSU now, OSU. and Portland Rose Festival. By 1933, the Multnomah Kennel Club, formed by a group of principals from the Belmont Greyhound Track in California, became the stadium's major tenant and largest source of revenue from 1933 to 1955, and they paid the MAC $100,000 a year for rent. So how much is that today? That's $1,045,668.05. A year for rent. A year for rent. Wow. At that time. Yeah. That's a lot of money. It is. But it generated a lot of revenue because a lot of people like dog racing. Um, So by 1953, the Cascade Ski Club, this is funny, the Cascade Ski Club organized, yes, they organized the Portland Rose Festival and built a ski jump in the stadium. Okay, just just wrap your minds around that right now. Okay, we're talking, we've talked about this and that. Built a ski jump in the middle of the stadium. And there's pictures of it. I, I've seen pictures of this That's online awesome. of a ski stadium. And it was covered in 200 tons of artificially made snow. And that was produced what? by four ice powder machines of a local company. It was the same company. Oh my goodness. And, and they said 40,000 people watched the event. 
Most had never seen an event like this 40, before. 40,000 people came to watch ski jumping with artificial snow in the middle of the stadium. Yes. Oh, my goodness. Just, I mean, you've never seen it before. So you just, I mean, they made this artificial wow. snow using ice and, and, and they were jumping in Multnomah Stadium. Absolutely. Wild. And I mean, they had to be wooden skis. Yeah. I wonder if they caught fire. <laughs> Back to that, right? <laughs> Uh, so moving on, by August 28th of 1955, the stadium hosted the first preseason game of the NFL between the L.A. Rams and the New York Giants, mm. and L.A. won in sudden death overtime 23-17. to Now, this is interesting because for many years, when I'm growing up, they were, all, they were known as St. Louis that I can recall, the St. Louis Rams. Yeah. Now they're the L.A. Rams, and here we are yeah. talking about the L.A. Rams it's in you know, Civic Stadium. That's just nuts. I mean, anything goes, right? Mm -hmm. Anything goes. Yep. So by 1956, the Greyhounds moved to the Portland Meadows, and the Beavers baseball team from the Pacific Coast League moved from Vaughn Street to Civic Stadium. So we just got done talking previously in our other episode about Vaughn Street, and then that closing down in 1956, and then the Beavers moving over. And uh, they spent $300,000 of their own money to make upgrades, and that's equivalent to $2.8 million today. Wow. To make upgrades to the stadium. Yeah. So by, Significant amount. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, you know, of course, they put in more seating, they put in some box seats. So, uh, so by 1957, the stadium hosted Elvis Presley. Yeah. Wow. And 14,000 people. Ski jumping, Greyhounds, yeah. Elvis Presley. The king. Football. Yeah. This is awesome. And 14,000 people came to see him. And then by 1960, the club, the Mac Club, decided to sell because the stadium had become a liability, and the the two the big things were the taxes were a big reason, declining income, and that you know things were moving away and the improved need of the Mac. So uh, so they ended up selling the stadium to the city of Portland for $2.1 million. Hmm. And what year was that? 1966. Okay. So then in... Multiply, that's 10 times inflation yeah. now, give or take. In 1969, right. it became the first outdoor baseball facility to install artificial turf. We had talked about yeah. that in Vaughn. Yeah. Because they, they brought the, the grass, as you for mentioned. For some reason, I keep thinking back to the Astrodome, right? The, yeah. the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome. Yeah. Yeah, there you go. Artificial turf. Yeah, and yeah. so they... They, they bring back, uh, they bring in artificial turf, but they had previously brought over the grass from the old Vaughn Stadium yeah. to uh, be there. So now they, they switched over to artificial turf. And then in the 1970s, the park was remodeled with new roofing along with football press boxes, which were moved from the rooftop to right below the roof itself. So where they are at present time. And then in 1977, the stadium hosted the NASL Soccer Bowl, drawing a record crowd of 35,548 and it then it went on to ho it also hosted the independent baseball team the Portland Mavericks um, and then in 1985 the Portland Beavers of the United States Football League oh sorry Portland Breakers of the United States Football oh, League yeah, the Breakers. played one the season U there the USFL yeah, yeah the short lived USFL yep. oh yeah and then uh, as far as other acts of uh, music uh David Bowie with Duran Duran oh, played there awesome. in 1987. I wonder if he played uh, Major Tom. Oh, ground control. To Major Tom. Yeah. That's awesome. And then uh, in 1995, Van Halen played there. Oh, that's awesome. 
And so, um, in 1978, the, the Beavers returned to the stadium. And then in 1999, the stadium hosted the women's, uh, hosted women's World Cup matches for soccer. And that was pretty cool. Right. Portland's reputation as a soccer city as well is this kind of, kind of sounds like it's taken off in the 90s. Yeah. They don't call it Soccer City USA for yeah. nothing. Yeah. But, but we might call it Soccer and Baseball City here coming yeah. up pretty soon. Call it Hit City. Hit City. Exactly. Yeah. And hits keep on coming. Yep. <laughs> so in 2001, the park underwent a $38.5 million renovation. They put in next turf, a concourse area, luxury boxes, club seating, and the naming rights were sold to the port was port- sold to Portland General Electric or PGE, and Civic Stadium was renamed to PGE Park. Oh yeah. Okay, I remember that. Yep. Yeah. Yep. And then uh, the 2001 season marked yet another return of baseball to Portland. And also marked the return of professional soccer as the Portland Timbers joined the A-League, now the USL, first division as an expansion franchise. Hmm. So now you can see it's you know beginning to have more and more uh, you know, events there and sports is expanding. Yeah, that's prior to you know the early 2000s. A lot of U.S. cities were experiencing growth. Um, Portland wasn't quite booming like, say, Phoenix or Las Vegas. Mm-hmm. But Portland was experiencing a little bit of growth, nothing like it is now. But, um, yeah, in terms of being able to support uh, more, you know, franchises and, and whatnot. Yeah. And, and, and we just talked about World World Cup for women's soccer. They yet again hosted the Women's World Cup in 2003. It's awesome. So, uh, you know, yes, bring World Cup back. That would be great. That would be fantastic. Yep. And then in July of 2009, the city council approved a $31 million renovation to make PG Park ready for the start of the 2011 Major League Soccer season by reconfiguring the stadium primarily for soccer and football. This decision led to the departure yet again of the Portland Beavers baseball team. Uh, it went on to be named Jeldwin Field and now Providence Park. Um, one of the one of the little things that I found out while doing some research is that there was a feral cat colony at the stadium. And knowing, and knowing Portlanders, they just wanted to leave them, leave them be, right? Yeah. They probably just wanted to be kind of infuse them as part of the the vibe of of the stadium. I, I can tell you know being a Portlander, yeah. like they let, let's let's just make them let, let's incorporate this feral cat colony yeah. into uh, into our into our, our 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 background, our neighborhood. Yeah. Guess how many cats were there? How many? They said somewhere between twelve to nineteen cats. That's called awesome. Livery. Uh, Rat traps, or oh. sorry, sorry, living rat traps. Living rat traps. Oh. Yes, and they said that they may have started in 1926. Huh. That and wait, so the, the that that colony had been around 80, 90 years. Yes, yeah. like a reproducing, sustainable feral cat colony. Exactly. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So that it was really interesting. So, um, but let's. I wanted to dive in a little bit more about uh, the city of Portland actually purchasing the property because I, I thought it was very interesting because mm-hmm. the Mac originally had it and then the city went in to purchase it. So I was like wondering to myself, like, okay, well, why did the city purchase it and how much did they purchase it for and what what went, went into that purchasing? And these and these you know these ideas are relevant as as the general public as as the general public becomes aware of you know the process of of say bringing a major league franchise to Portland mm-hmm. and, and and in terms of uh, geographic space cost 
transportation, taxation. This is yeah. all extremely relevant. Yeah, and and this isn't. Let's just say this: it's not the first time that it's met controversy with purchasing uh, a stadium for a sporting event. I mean, you know, we have people that are opposed to the general public having to foot the bill for stadiums nowadays. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have people making lots of money. And so the general public doesn't necessarily want to pay a lot of money for a baseball park. But then there's also people who, in kind of fits of nostalgia, uh, get upset over the corporatizing of of, uh, anywhere from jerseys to to naming stadiums and and Mm -hmm. coliseums and fields and, and, and so on and so forth. So, you know, everybody, everybody's going to have issues with certain things. Yes. Uh, but again, the, the bottom line is things change, things evolve, um, and, and, and realities change. Yeah. So, uh, so going into everything, so there was a 1966 bond measure okay. that was passed. But before that, there were several other uh, bond measures right. that were taken up. But the, the bond measure that did pass was called the Serial General Obligation Bonds. Hmm. I, I had no idea what a serial bond was until I looked it up. It's like, was it like Cheerios or something? <laughs> serial bond. Yeah. Cornflakes, sweet. Yes. So they're great. <laughs> so a serial bond is a bond issue that is structured so that a portion of the outstanding bonds mature at regular intervals until all of the bonds have matured. They provide a consistent income stream for bond repayment. Okay. And then, so then I looked into, okay, well, what are general bond, what are general obligation bonds? So general obligation bond is a type of municipal bond in the United States that is secured by a state or local government pledged to use legally available resources, including tax revenues, to pay, repay bondholders. Hmm. Most local governments include a pledge to levy a property tax to meet debt service requirements. Interesting. Yeah, so I didn't know anything about unique, that. A unique style of bond. Exactly. Yeah. So I, did, I wanted to make sure that people were aware what a serial general obligation bond was. Not, hey, let's go get some Frosted Flakes. There you go. Count yeah. Chocula. Yes. Yeah. And then, um, so the Multnomah Stadium Acquisition Bonds Municipal Measure 53 is what it was named. It was $2,500,000 in total, but only $2,100,000 was spent on the acquisition of the stadium. Okay. And the bonds matured three years from the date of issuance with final maturity date of 12 years from the date of issue. Okay. Uh, and they referred to voters on November 8th, 1966. Um, the measure does say that if the city were not to purchase the property then the MAC would retain some of it and sell the other at a prorated amount. Hmm. And I was I read that the MAC was like looking to sell this property for a significant amount hmm. should the city not purchase it. It's kind of a safety net. Gotcha. Yeah. And, they, and again, you know, they had gone through on multiple occasions to try and sell this place. The okay. MAC did. And um, the other thing that I did read was that the city had actually looked into uh, an area in Delta Park oh, to okay. build a more There's of some a, space out there. Yeah, to yeah. build more of like a, I think it was, and I, I may be wrong, but more of like a dome-ish type stadium. And I'm thinking Tacoma Dome right now. Yeah, yeah. this exactly. Yeah. It's like, so that's what I was thinking. And, but the, so they, 
they, they were looking into this because they had some initial interest in purchasing the Civic Stadium. And then it went to Delta Park and maybe wanting to to purchase some land there and build an actual stadium. But the cost associated with that was actually going to be way higher than actually passing a bond measure to uh, purchase Multnomah Stadium. And then, then they, because they lost on several bond measures to try to build a new stadium, then that's where it came back to this okay. measure 53 gotcha. to um, go ahead and purchase uh, Civic Stadium and then go and make about $400,000 worth of upgrades to it because they they needed a, a facility that that could house larger events for the city. Right, that's the only way that it's going to be financial financially feasible or financially mm-hmm. sustainable is to be able to to make it accessible to be able to host those you know things other than just even sporting events, just all different kinds that they can they can lease it, they can you know yeah they've got to be able to make that. Yeah, and then. So looking looking at my notes here, I, I was just trying to remember. Well, how much was that bond measure? And it apparently was twenty five million dollars. So in the nineteen sixties, twenty five million dollars is a lot of money. money. Yeah, and yeah, you know, you're, 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 you're talking, you know, about two hundred to two hundred fifty mil. Yeah, and so yeah, you, you, you think that yeah, eight to ten times inflation. Yeah, exactly. Pa- pa- I mean, passing that bond measure and you know putting it on the general public at that time. It just the you know it, it, it failed badly and yeah. you know people didn't want to do that but you know i think that they they came around and they they did a lot of studying i mean there was there was a significant study done on just this particular property and the bond measure itself because i was able to look it up and actually read it verbatim and it had a lot of the history of multnomah stadium actually in it oh really yeah huh and so um so Part of the, the the group that was involved in this, I, you know, I think was the the current owner of the Beavers, um, some of the commissioners, and several other influential people yeah. within the community. Some power brokers. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there you go. So you know, they wanted again, they wanted to build you know this stadium uh, that's out there so they could host events, and instead they ended up being able to purchase um, the current. Providence Park or Multnomah mm-hmm. Stadium at the time for the two point one million dollars. Um, so, you know, that's I mean, that's in, in short the essence of the the history of of the park itself, and you know where we're at today is, is that it it is hosting the uh, the Timbers, the Major League Soccer team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they just won a couple of years ago, years ago, the title, yeah. Yeah. MLS and, title, MLS title, and then you have the uh, the Portland Thorns, the the women's yeah, team. which is they're drawing insanely well. I mean, like they're they're setting shattering attendance records, and they're, they're they have a, a huge following. And we're not we're not talking to small following. So the Thorns yeah. the Thorns are remarkably successful, um, and they've won two titles. They have, and it's just this 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 town this town loves its sports. This town loves its athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, again. Uh, players that come through and play for the Portland Trailblazers are commenting on just the 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 types of fans we have here, uh, the the kind of cultural attitudes of yep. people, and how it's it's just a great place to play and a great team to play for, and that 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 speaks on on how we are as a, as a community in terms of uh, in terms of uh, welcoming and appreciating uh, effort and appreciating talent and skill, and uh, oh my gosh, I, I look forward to. Seeing that on a, on a baseball diamond. 
Yeah, you know, and I do too. And just let, let's briefly just kind of mold the two stadiums that we've talked about in, yeah. in, in two episodes now. I mean, we have Vaughn Stadium and now we have Multnomah Stadium. I mean, both seem phenomenal in their, their own ways. Yeah. And I mean, I, I really like with both of them the creativity. So we, when we talk about creativity in terms of um, uh, just sustaining them, creativity in terms of uh, what what uh, what what counts as entertainment, mm-hmm. um, just you know, in terms of the innovation and creativity behind not only building the statements uh, stadiums but using them, and I just yeah. find it fascinating. Yeah, and every what I found out like reading on Vaughn Stadium was is that. For the time, it was essentially state of the art. It was a one of the kind stadium, all wood, and that was very inviting. And you had double digit thousands of people that would go and watch these games. So, and then you know they're they're also at the Multnomah Stadium for the Beaver games. So we have that itch in this town, in Oregon for baseball. Yeah, we do. And, and, you know, um, and, and we've got an influx right now. We've, we've got, we're having some pretty solid economic times, but we've got an influx of, of young, creative energy. Um, uh, you know, the, the time, the timing is absolutely perfect with, uh, w- you know, with, with the people that have been here for a long time and, and the people that are relatively new to this region. And it's just, uh, it's an exciting time to, to think about our possibilities for the next few years. Exactly. I mean, it really is. So, because we've had two stadiums, we've had one stadium had grass, and then it grass got moved over to mm-hmm. the other stadium, and then it transitioned into uh, turf. Do you want to see turf, or do you want to see grass for a new stadium? You know, it depends. It, it goes back to the roof issue, essentially. You know, and, and, and again... Um, you know, look at, looking at Safeco, um, you know, it just, just, just depends on how that's going to, what, what, what the cost is going to be. And if a roof is put on or not, mm-hmm. um, the baseball I, fan in me wants to see grass, yeah. but the purist, w- the purist the, in you, the traditionalist, the traditionalist says, yeah. I, I really think that they're going to have artificial grass because it's, it's, it's cost effective. I, I think so too. Um, I think that they'll have that mo- they're most likely uh, again and, and turf technology has changed a lot in the last few years yeah and it's constantly um, improving yeah I think they would okay so well Dave hey again great episode it was, uh, it was really fun learning about another you know stadium that has been influential here in uh, in Portland and for baseball and in the city as a whole so great episode and I really enjoyed uh, looking and researching into it yeah, this gives me a great, great sense of perspective and a great context. And um, it, it, it kind of helps me build my understanding of, of this area. Yeah. So we can be found, again, we can be found on the Twitter sphere, right, Dave? We sure can. And it's at, at Podcast Roses, right? Yeah, that would be it. That would be that. And then you can also find us on the interweb at dnrpodcast.wordpress.com. So check us out on there. Follow us on Twitter. And uh, that'll do it for this episode. I'm Ben. I'm Dave. And you have a great day. We'll catch you later. Peace out.